Hello and welcome to another episode of the European Young Chemist Network podcast, where we discuss the latest research concerning chemistry-related topics of high interest to the general public. My name is Mark Kilada, and today we will talk about doing your postdoc and everything around it with Dr. Thorsten John, who will be interviewed by Sebastian Balser. Dr. John finished his PhD in 2020 with Summa Cum Laude at Leipzig University in Germany and is currently doing his postdoc at MIT as a Fyodor Linen Research Fellow sponsored by the Humboldt Foundation. Besides his already many publications and awards, Thorsten has always been an active member of the German Chemical Society and was on the national board of the Young Chemists for three years. He has been the secretary of the EYCN for two years and is now active in the International Young Chemist Network. Thorsten's research covers the areas of biophysical and computational chemistry with a focus on proteins, DNA and surface. Today, we're very happy to talk to him about his postdoc at MIT. Any useful tips if you plan to do one yourself and what a postdoc in general is all about. So, hello Thorsten. Today we're, um, as the topic is, talking about the postdoc and many people were interested in talking about the postdoc and all the general questions that come with that. So, as we heard in the introduction, you're doing your postdoc at MIT, which we will talk about in a minute. My first question is, why did you decide to do a postdoc? Hello, first of all, and thank you for the introduction, Sebastian. I'm, it's a good question because I uh, decided to do the postdoc based on what I want to do um, on a long-term basis. So I was really thinking about during my PhD what I want to do in five or ten years' time. And I enjoyed during my PhD the research, but also organizing lots of things and uh, writing papers, analyzing data. So not necessarily to be in the lab, but to really... Um, do research and lead lead a research group, ideally supervising students. And that's why I had the idea of mainly being interested in becoming a research group leader. And for this, a postdoc is the ideal place to do training afterwards and to get further developed in the skills to really um, yeah, pursue the career that I want to do. So the goal was that you want to do research uh, later on in your career. And we know you've been to Australia during your PhD. Was there a reason why you chose MIT specifically? Right. So it's for me, I, I wanted to be in a um, different place in a different country. So I enjoyed my research in Germany and in Australia. But for the postdoc, because I w didn't want to just continue the same research that I did already before in a similar environment, but I wanted to do something new to be better prepared for the future. And for this, the US has been a place that I wanted to go to and MIT um, in particular because it has lots of good resources and also the researchers and other postdocs that I can work together with are all very um, interested in research and many of them want to become uh, researchers afterwards. So it's also a good place to build up a network for the future. Okay, so I'm right now in my PhD and so I do like topic X and what is the, like, how far is your postdoc away from the stuff that you did during your PhD? For, for me, I'm, I have changed uh, a little bit the field. 
So I'm still continuing both computational work and biophysical studies, but I moved from studying peptides and proteins uh, towards nanucleic acids, DNA and RNA nanotechnology. And I would also recommend if uh, for someone who plans to have a career in academia to uh, change topic or method or both a little bit, it shouldn't be too far from the topic because then it's very difficult and takes a lot of time to get into the new topic and to get started and get get productive in the sense of really getting results for publications. But if you really just continue what you do doing your PhD, then it's not a training and then there's no real benefit from doing the postdoc. So I would definitely recommend uh, to change uh, topic or method to some extent. Okay, yeah. So you, you don't like change it so extremely that you don't know what to do, but you definitely want to gain experience and learn something new. That's right. So I'm here now uh, since uh, about almost half a year. And the last this time I have been, I've spent most of the time learning new uh, uh, systems and reading into the literature. But now I'm at a position where I'm also getting productive uh, in the new topic, which is in the aim. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds always good. I mean, when you say MIT, it sounds very casual for you. But for most people, I would say that's a pretty high-ranking university. How did you like decide, was the group? I mean, there are probably a lot of groups that do the stuff that this group does or the general area. How did you like find MIT? Right. So it's definitely a very uh, important point. So if, and it's connected to the question of what you want to do in a long-term goal in the next five years or what you want to be in five years. Because <clears throat> once you know what you want to do in five or ten years, that helps to identify which institution or which university and which country helps best to reach this next career goal. And for becoming principal investigator or group leader in general, It's important to go to a university which has uh, research groups, which are very well known with a good reputation and also where you have good resources. And MIT is highly ranked and it's not only, well, it is of course, first of all, they have good resources and the ranking is not always the most important, but it's also uh, showing that it attracts a lot of smart people and it's, it means that you can work with good people and Also, the whole environment with mentoring and personal development courses is really great. So, but what what made me decide for the for the, that's probably one reason why I was happy with going to this university. But the most important is also the group that you choose. So that means you can't just so you first have to pick the group that you want to go to, and then there might be 10 options that you have at different universities, and then you can ideally get or apply. To those that are options and ideally you get them into a group which is at a university that also fits your personal development aims okay so it's so the mit part sounded like it's sort of the silicon valley of your area so that you have a lot of different groups that cooperate and you have yeah a lot of personal development that is possible and you said you should apply like at multiple groups at different universities Did you do that too? So is that like a common thing? You just don't decide for one group, but you think about like three to ten groups and then all apply at the same time? I would definitely advise to do that. And I would even advise to do it early on. So what I advise against is 
to apply everywhere, right? You, you, it's, it's important that you apply to a few selected groups and you prepare applications that are really tailored and that are adjusted to the group. So you should read about the pa some papers from the groups that you want to apply to and then develop some ideas that you could, what kind of research you could do in the group and suggest it to the PI to the professor. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you will do that kind of research, but it shows them that you really have thought about it. So I, I really advise against some general applications, which you send out 100 times, because those usually won't be responded. It's important to really take time. But at, on the, at the same time, um, you might apply to a group, which is your favorite, but they might just have no funding to hire you if you don't have an own fellowship, or they might just not be interested in your in you particularly for the postdoc, or you might difficult to get in contact with them. So that's why it's always good to have a few options. Okay, so do you write the PI personally, or maybe as a student you might think it's easier to just like ask another PhD student? Is that also a good idea to just like slowly tip one toe in the water and feel like if there is space for postdoc in their group or is the best way to approach it to directly go to the PI? So I would personally uh, say the best thing, which was not the case for me, but the best thing would be if you already know where you want to apply and meet those people, meet those professors at conferences and talk to them and afterwards send a uh, formal application to them. Um, that is ideal. The second best is probably if you know some postdoc from the group or some other PhD students in the group which are which you meet at conferences and then you can talk to them. So having this kind of contact or if your PI or someone else knows them and can put you in contact with the PI, that is, these are all things that help you for this initial uh, contact that, that the person that you apply to actually reads your email. But you can also do a called application. That means that you just send an email to the professor or their assistant. Sometimes they have also guidelines on how to apply on the web page and that you just contact them. But it can happen. And I can confirm it in my case that you send out 10 applications and only, let's say, two or three will answer. Right? So, and that's why it's also important that you apply in several groups. And for me, it was also to some extent during the pandemic. So it was all virtual. But if you... Um, also traveling to, to the US just for interviews is also quite expensive. So it's, it's, that's why it's often virtual. But if you have these contacts before at conferences or meet people from the group, it helps you to get a feeling also how well you fit in the group. So how if there's a personal fit, because it's also very important because you will work there for a few years. Um, and then it's very important that you can also build up a good professional relationship. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, the basics is that, uh, I mean, of course, it's always better if you have personal connections and like, meet the person before, but I mean, that's not always the case, especially like right now, this is probably not happening a lot during COVID. So when you say you apply for like multiple universities and you do your planning before, what time ahead would be a good time to start planning? So when you're in your PhD, should you start like one year before finishing your PhD or at the beginning of your PhD? So it's always good to start early. Um, the problem is that you have probably lots of things that you think about doing the PhD. You have to finish papers, you have to finish your thesis, you have to prepare for the defense and also things distract and take time. But it's important that you start early on. 
So it's, I would say one and a half or yeah, one to one and a half years before it's good. Or well, that's the latest time you should start at least looking into what you want to do afterwards, whether it is a postdoc that should, you should know by then and check some groups. And because then it gives you also time to, that if you go to a conference to discuss with those professors, because otherwise it's too late and to start contacting people. Because also if you want to apply for fellowships, which will open your doors to more groups, then they have often six to 12 months of um, processing time. So it takes a while until you have the outcome and it's uh, for the fellowship. And if there are positions advertised, so they which are paid by the PI, it's always easier. That can, can, can be a bit quicker. And it's sometimes also better because if you have at least this uh, as a security, as a plan B, or that you have plan A fellowship, but that the PI has also money if you don't get fellowship because then you find out after 12 months and if and then you, if you rely on it, 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 it it's difficult. So, but if, if you, at the same time, you, a lot of fellowships uh, want that you have already your thesis submitted. So it's, it's somehow uh, difficult to apply too early, but it's good to know and to have a PI who says, whenever you are finished, I'm ready for having you in my group. So that is, I think, good to start earlier than too late. Yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting point because I myself am also thinking about uh, doing a postdoc. And I also saw that at some some scholarships, you already have to have your um, PhD. You have to f have to defend it already before you could apply or get the scholarship. So, I mean, for most people, the idea would be to, you know, leave lab, write your thesis and then start your uh, postdoc. So you don't have any like time where you don't do anything but probably this will not be the case because if you have to have your phd finished before applying for the scholarship this will be difficult right that's a good question so i would say that most funders nowadays also are more open to options where you have your thesis submitted but where it's not yet created and not yet defended but You need then often a document from your professor which states that the thesis will be uh, finished by time X, Y, Z. And that helps already for many of them. But it's definitely a point that it's very helpful to have a postdoc position where the professor has some initial funding or that you have the option to stay in your current group where you do your postdoc uh, for a few months as postdoc To finish your PhD project. So while I explained at the start that it's important to do a postdoc in a new area, you often if you have had a successful PhD, you still have lots of works to finish and to publish. And it's not something bad if you stay for half a year in your current group for the PhD and finish those projects during that time. Okay, that's a, that's pretty interesting. That I mean, yeah, sounds very good if the professor is, uh, yeah, if it works all together. Um, You just, I mean, we were talking about scholarships and you already mentioned the one that you have. Are there like, I mean, obviously the Humboldt is, I would say, one of the flagship scholarships. Are there other big ones that you, I mean, could recommend? Yep. So there are, I would say, many, many options for postdocs to get funding. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's, it's still kind of easy to get a position or some sort of funding. In Germany, there are many fellowships. So it's, those are the ones that I know best of from the German Research Foundation, the program, the uh, DAD 
has some fellowships in Leopoldina, and of course the Theodolin Research Fellowship from the Alexander von Humboldt Foundation that I have. Uh, from an, having now the European perspectives, there are postdoctoral fellowships which have strict deadlines, so you have to also look for the course very early on. And there is very famous the Marie Sodowska Curie actions which have postdoctoral fellowships. So they are definitely something very interesting for people in all Europe or of the EU countries where you can apply both within Europe but also in global uh, fellowships abroad. And apart from the ones, and they are similar to what's the, what we have in Germany, uh, there are also some um, programs in other countries. And particularly the country where you go to, the destination, has often particular fellowships where the PI where you apply to or the university where you apply to can often provide some information. And then there are also discipline-specific ones. So uh, I know the EMBO, they have some, so if you do molecular biology or something like this. So it's, they are for different areas also, again, fellowship. So there are a lot of options, you say? There are many options. So it's, um, it's there are of course, better ones and uh, better, or better paid ones and better supported ones. And some which are not or more restricted. So, but there are, I would say there are many options. It's just, you have to fit, find the right one that fits to you. And then also you need some luck that you uh, get selected. That's why it's also sometimes good to apply to two and then um, see which one works. Sometimes there are restrictions that you can't do it. I applied only to one and was successful, but it's if I would have not been successful, then I would have submitted a similar proposal to a different one. So it's there are definitely a number of options. And it's, but it's still, I would advise to try to get a position where the PI would have funding for you for half a year or one year so that you can get started um, and you don't need to worry about the outcome of the fellowship too much. Is, is this common that the PI is uh, like has the option to, to fund you? Is this like, of, I mean, in Germany, I feel like this is not that common, I would say. Is it in the US different that a lot of PIs have this option to fund you for like at least half a year? It really depends on the f on the funding of the group that you go to. So it's not, it's probably... It's much easier to, to get accepted in a group where you bring your own funding. But I personally found this very risky because if I apply then for the fellowship and I find out that I don't get it, then I'm there without a plan and then I don't have, or I need always a plan B or a plan C. And that's why it's, it's good to have, to have that option. I would say it's, it's, it's an option that's not always there. But if you, that's the thing that if you apply early on for the fellowship, then you have still some um, more buffer. Also, you have still some time um, to look for alternative options that you can uh, do. But what you don't want is that you apply for a fellowship and you get the result in the months of your PhD defense or one month later, and then you get rejected and uh, you have nothing, right? And if, if you have only this one option, that's why it's always good to find... Uh, to have a plan B. So plan B can also be that you uh, continue for a few months in your PhD lab, if the advisor has a funding, or that you apply to two or three fellowships. And then the likelihood that one of them, or sometimes even all of them, are successful, and you have to pick, or you can choose the ones that you want to take, is also there. Okay. I mean, that's probably a pretty good way. And always have a plan B and C is, I guess, one of the best advices for, for anything in life. Yeah. Before I come to my final question, I have one thing that a lot of people 
I heard about when they talk about the postdoc, the question always came up, is it a, I mean, maybe not a good idea, but to do a postdoc for traveling? So not doing the postdoc if you want to do research, but a lot of people say, I just want to have another half year. I want to travel around after the stress of my PhD and then they want to go to university, which is probably not nearly close to MIT, but somewhere in a, in another country and then, you know, do research, but also travel a lot. Is that something that you came across other people doing that? The idea of the postdoc is to develop as a person, right? And you want to be mentored and you want to develop your professional skills. And for this purpose, it's important to choose just a place where you can develop further. And personally, um, going to a different country, if you haven't been approached doing all your studies and all your PhD, can be a good way to, to be in this other country. If you also plan to work, for example, after that in this other country, then the postdoc can be a nice option to get some experience, work experience in the other country, and learn the culture there, and all those things. So it also even for industry role afterwards, it can be helpful. But it doesn't need to be a postdoc. You could also apply for, they could also apply for an internship in the other country or for a job role in the other country. So it's, I would say traveling shouldn't be the destination because if you already know that you want to go to industry afterwards, then you should directly apply there. And before take a month of traveling, or something like that, but I would say the postdoc should be mainly addressed for people who want to stay in academia or for anyone who needs to the postdoc as a requirement for the role that they will need afterwards or when they still need some time of personal development to find out what they really want to do. Then it's also a good way, but not just for traveling. Okay, so you, you mentioned personal development a lot and my, my last question would be also about like I me mean, how does the postdoc help you in your personal development and do you have like any general advice that you would like to give anyone who who's thinking about doing a postdoc and who's like thinking about starting to plan his uh, or her um, scholarship approach right so it's yeah it's, i think one important thing is to take time for self reflection and about to think about what you want to be and what you want to do in 10 or even five and 10 or 15 years. And not only from job perspective, but the whole life perspective. And based on that, it's, it's not just going to the lab and get as many publications or do the, the work on a daily basis, but to take every now and then time to think and reflect and look at job advertisements, for example, that are relevant to your career and look what they ask for and what you have for that and what you maybe not have and identify the gaps and then really actively work on those gaps. And they can be hard technical skills, but they can be soft skills like leadership. Um, and it's, I think postdoc is one thing to really get mentored and to personally develop, to learn, to get many rejections, to build resilience and but to, to get trained to reach the dream job essentially afterwards. It's not always working out completely, but then it's also good to have the plan A, plan B, plan C, and um, have those options to um, apply to afterwards. The postdoc is definitely not 
not something one should do for 10 years or so. It's, it's, it's something very short, a temporary position to be prepared for the career that one chooses to do afterwards. Okay, so yeah, a postdoc is, so you say, I mean, a postdoc is a step just for your next career, but also a postdoc is much more than it might seem in the first place when you talk about the mentoring part and everything. Definitely, yeah. Okay, so unfortunately, we're out of time and I mean, we probably could talk a lot more and maybe we will uh, in another episode. I don't know. But uh, thank you for taking your time and yeah, I hope uh, to uh, hear from you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Hello, everybody. It's Mark Lada here again. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and stay tuned for our next edition.